Everybody loves a good mystery, right? Today's episode of the Bible Mystery Podcast is all about the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. What does it really mean, and whatever happened to the John 3.16 guy? Welcome into the Bible Mystery Podcast. This is episode number seven. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I want to invite you to check out our website, BibleMysteryPod.com, BibleMysteryPod.com. Now, the episode you're about to hear was originally recorded in June of 2019 when I was doing a show called the Bible Questions Podcast. That show has morphed into this show. But the episode is, I think, uh, worthy of this show. It's a good follow-up to what happened to the famous John 3.16 guy. And also, it really asks the question, what does John 3.16 really actually mean? And I think many of us have misunderstood the meaning of that passage. So that's the mystery we're going to solve today, the mystery of the meaning of the most famous Bible verse that we know of. Uh, So here we go. Now, today's question is all about John 3.16, which is probably the most well-known, most memorized verse in the Bible. What does it really mean? Is it possible, is it conceivable that most people are actually slightly mistaken about the most well-known verse in the Bible? Well, let's start out and read it. This is from the original King James Version. I say original, tongue-in-cheek. The original King James 1619, or or actually a little bit after that version. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, for most of my life, that has been the most famous and well-known verse, at least in the United States of America. Non-believers and believers alike know that verse. Its only rival today is Matthew 7, Judge not that ye be not judged. And we're actually going to talk about that verse in an upcoming podcast as well. Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes, says this about John 3.16. Of all the stars in the sky... The pole star is the most useful to the seafaring mariner. This text, John 3.16, is a pole star, for it has guided more souls to salvation than any other scripture. It is among promises what the great bear is among constellations. Spurgeon said that in his book, The Checkbook of the Bank of Faith. I don't know if you remember this, but if you're older like I am, you might remember the John 3.16 guy. He was also known as Rockin' Rollin' and the Rainbow Man. His real name was Rollin' Frederick Stewart. He's born in the 40s. For the 70s, late 70s, and the 80s, up until his arrest, sadly, in 1992, he was a guy that you could see on television almost every Saturday and Sunday. He would wear a very interesting rainbow-colored Afro-style wig, and he would go to sporting events holding up a sign that said John 3.16. He would try his level best to get himself and the John 3.16 sign on every sporting broadcast he went to. Now, he did a good job at that. He actually became fairly famous and well-known. Saturday Night Live. 
even did a skit about the John 316 guy and uh, Christopher Walken played him. So this was a guy that a lot of people knew, a lot of people saw him, there were a lot of imitators. Unfortunately, I think Mr. Stewart had a pretty severe mental illness. In 1992, he was arrested and is serving three life sentences in prison for multiple kidnapping attempts. Uh, he was he holed himself up in his bed in a, in a hotel room, claiming the rapture was going to happen soon. He threatened to shoot airplanes taking off from the Los Angeles International Airport, and he covered his hotel room with the with John three sixteen placards while he waited for the police to arrest him. And Mr. Stewart was uh, married several times including uh, one time probably the longest marriage he had was to a lady named Margaret Hockridge. They um, traveled the country carrying John 316 signs everywhere. During the 1986 World Series, Hockridge said Stewart threatened to injure her for holding the John 316 sign in the wrong place. So that's a bit of a sad story. Uh, the guy had significant mental illness and was obviously a very troubled, very uh, hor horrible person. But he was responsible, for better or worse, for a lot of Americans in the 70s and 80s learning John 3.16 and seeing it everywhere. So what does the verse actually mean? Most people would say that the basic meaning of John 3.16 is talking about the amount of love that God has for us, that he loves us so much that he sent his son. Now, here's the thing. That is a true statement. God really does love us so much. His love is so deep for people. We see that all across the Bible. But shocker of shockers, that's not really what John 3.16 is talking about. Now, in saying that, I sort of hang my head in shame and realize I sound like one of those fedora-wearing, neck-bearded internet guys that go around correcting everybody. Well, actually, but I, two things in my defense. Number one, I don't actually own a fedora. And number two, I actually do shave my neck. So there's that at least. Let's go to the expert. Bill Mounts. Now, if you've uh, ever gone to seminary before, you've had textbooks on Greek from either Bill Mounts or his dad, Robert Mounts. He is the guru, I think, in um, really maybe the whole world of biblical Greek. So let's call him Captain Biblical Greek. This is what Bill Mounts says in his uh, great blog, which you can search for on the internet. Search for Mondays with Mounts. This is what he says about John 3.16. The problem, if you are unaware, is that when the King James Version says, For God so loved the world, everyone I have ever asked what, quote, so meant, responded, so much. If you check BDAG, more on that in a second, you will see that this is a rare and not possible meaning of the Greek word hutos in this context. But you'd better be careful if you change people's favorite Bible verse. Here are BDAG's first three definitions of hutas. Number one, referring to what precedes, in other words, in this manner, thus, so. Number two, pertaining to what follows in discourse material, in this way, as follows. Now, for the record, BDAG 
refers to Walter Bauer's lexicon, which has been updated over the years. So now it's the Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, Danker lexicon. It's probably the most respected Greek biblical lexicon of a dictionary of the Bible. Hutos is the Greek word for so. And in John 3.16, hutos does not refer to the amount of love that God has for us, as the definitions we just read indicate. It refers to the way in which God loves us. So Mount says this, that the New Living Translation, which says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Actually, far more clearly articulates the meaning of John 3.16 than what we understand the King James Version to say. Other new translations also translate the passage that way. The Holman translation, which is probably my favorite, and the Christian Standard Bible say something like, For God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son. The Net translation says this, For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son. Now, I think that's more accurately conveying the meaning of the passage. Now, Mounts is a Bible translator himself, and he says, I'm working with this as an option for translating John 3.16. For God loved the world so he gave his one and only Son. And that's obviously trying to convey the meaning, not that God loved the world so very much, but he loved the world in this manner. Did the King James Version get it wrong? Actually, I don't think so. The fact is that the the particle so in the English language is very flexible, and it is proper English when explaining how somebody expressed their love to say they loved so-and-so this way. However, that language is imprecise and open to misinterpretation in a way that most of us are actually misinterpreting John 3.16. That text is clearly speaking of the manner in which God loves his people, not the magnitude of how much he loves his people. Put another way, John 3.16 is a scripture about the specific way that God loves us, not the measure of his love. Before you get all sad and upset, we don't lose anything here because we have dozens, really probably hundreds, of Bible verses that do talk about the vastness, the immenseness, the depth, and the extreme nature of God's love for us. For instance, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. So the love the Father has for us is great. He lavishes it on us. What about Ephesians 2, 4, and 5? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in with Christ even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So yes, God has great love for us. He's rich in mercy. Romans 8, 37, uh, 37 through 39. No, in all these things, says Paul, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is telling us here that the love of God is such an extreme amount that nothing in all of creation can separate it from us, or rather can separate us from it. Ephesians three seventeen through 19 Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and the height and depth of God's love, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So get this, the love of God is so vast, it's so high, it's so wide, it's so deep that it is difficult to comprehend the amount of it. It surpasses our ability to know it. And so Paul prays for the Ephesians and us by extension that we would be able to understand and comprehend the love of God, which is so immense that it's really beyond human comprehension. Psalms 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now that little Hebrew word there in Psalm 103.8 for steadfast love is the word chesed. Uh, it's one of my most favorite words in all of Scripture. It It's a difficult to translate word because we don't have a word in the English language that exactly corresponds to it. But it could be covenantal love, everlasting love, steadfast love, eternal love. It's a word that so adequately captures the nature and character of the love of God. So it's a fantastic word to do any sort of word study on. So, in explaining John 3.16, Charles Spurgeon says this, See clearly that you have to trust your soul with Christ by faith. Perceive that it is vast love which sets before you such a way of salvation in which the only thing required of you is that you be nothing and trust Christ to be everything. And even that faith he gives you as a gift of his Spirit. So that the plan of salvation is all of love. If you want to repent, do not so much consider your sin as you consider the love of Jesus in suffering for your sin. If you desire to believe, do not so much study the doctrine as study the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you desire to love, think over perpetually until it breaks your heart the great love of Jesus Christ in laying down his life for his worthless foes. The love of God is the birthplace of holy love. John 3.16 then is a gospel verse and it reminds me of my favorite gospel verse in the scripture which is Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing of a passage that we don't have to earn the approval of God. It wasn't our goodness or righteousness that attracted his attention and love, but he yet loved us and sent his son while we were still stuck in our own sin and selfishness. So John 3.16 
like Romans 5.8, is not a verse focused on the amount of God's love for us, although we know it's vast because that's all throughout Scripture. John 3.16 is focused on how he has expressed that love. And how he has expressed that love is the gospel, the good news of the Bible, which is this. God showed his love for people by sending his son Jesus to live the perfect life we could not live, to die the death we deserve to die for our sins, so that all who look to him in wholehearted faith, believing in his death and resurrection, will be saved. Not saved by our righteous acts, but saved by his grace. So next time you think about John 3.16 or hear somebody quoting it, remember, God does love us so much. But John 3.16 tells us more about how he loves us. I got a couple of corrections from the last couple of shows. Uh, On the trailer for the show, I mentioned Wayne Gruden instead of Wayne Grudem. Now, I know who Wayne Grudem is. I just, that was a slip of the tongue. I know his name ends with an M. And also, last week on episode one, talking about the resurrection, I mentioned that the country of Israel during the time of Jesus was about the size of Rhode Island. To be more geographically accurate, the country of Israel during the size of Jesus was a little bit closer to the size of New Jersey. Slightly bigger than Rhode Island, but still a tiny, tiny country compared to the breadth and size of the Roman Empire. One bit of uh, reader feedback to go over that we got this week on Twitter. This is from Judy Bloom, although I don't think it's that Judy Bloom. She says this, I liked your podcast. It's funny, I never doubted that Jesus was raised from the dead. I think of Paul's letter to the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but your points do make sense. Well, thank you, Judy, and let me be very clear. I believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead because the Bible says he was. But when we're talking to people who don't know Jesus, who people who don't believe that the Bible is the true and accurate word of God, we can't merely say to them, hey, you guys need to believe this because the Bible says it. Now, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, as the phrase goes. That's true. But you don't even find people in the Bible when they're talking to others about Jesus trying to use Bible verses as a way to convince them. They use testimony, they use reason, arguments, etc. So yes, I believe Jesus rose from the dead because of 1 Corinthians 15. I believe it because of Matthew 28, etc. But I also think there are reasons to believe that we can share with skeptics that will actually open their mind to the truths of Scripture. And we should think about those reasons to believe and we should, we should proclaim them. So what's coming up on the next few episodes of the Bible Questions podcast? We do have some questions from our friends Kevin Small, Tony Vance, and many others. We will get to them soon. The next episode, I believe we're going to be talking about alien life. Does the Bible rule it out? After that, we're going to do an extended episode on what Jesus meant by judge not lest you be judged. Is it ever proper for Christians to judge? And we've got tons more questions coming up. So 
I would ask you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. The best way for podcasts to grow is not via social media. It's not via the Twitter or Facebook or what have you. It's by word of mouth. So if you've got a moment and you enjoy the show, please tell your family and friends to check it out and subscribe. Thanks for listening. We will see you shortly. Shortly.